This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Funny how things can change in just 24 hours. There's plenty of doom and gloom around the team following a loss to Chicago on Tuesday. But a great effort in Winnipeg. A regulation win in Winnipeg. And things a little bit brighter on this Thursday in Calgary. This is Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Look at all things Calgary Flames following that big victory against Winnipeg. And the Flames no longer control their own fate because of that loss in Chicago. But of course do themselves a lot of favors if they do want to be in the postseason. By picking up two points last night in Winnipeg. Uh, 960-960 is the fan feedback line. It's always open to you here on Sportsnet 960, especially during Sportsnet today. We would love to hear your questions, comments, concerns, queries, anything you have. Send it into 960-960. We'll hear from our NHL insider Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff in just a couple moments. He joined Rustic and Rose in the morning on the big show to chat all things Calgary Flames following their big win last night in Winnipeg. We'll get Frank's sense as to where the team is at with three games remaining. But this time, uh, good for a vibe check from the the text line and Flames fans listening live. Confidence level, has it shot up? Has it gone down? Are you somewhere in the middle with this group following the win in Winnipeg last night? I know yesterday in hour two, we kicked off the hour with a bit of a, a venting session, Taylor. We gave the, the fans an opportunity to let it all out, to voice any frustrations, because that Chicago game was frustrating, and it is you know, somewhat frustrating to even be here on Thursday talking about a Flames win so handily over Winnipeg when... It was a disappointing effort against Chicago. So feel free to let us know how you're feeling about the group right now. You do need another Winnipeg slip up in this. If you're the Calgary Flames to to make the postseason, they have a game in hand on you now. You have equal amount of points. You both play the Predators, so Nashville's going to have a say in this. Flames obviously taking on the Canucks on Saturday. That'll be their next action. I also believe that's the next game or the next day out for Winnipeg as well. So we won't have any movement from a Jets side of things until Saturday at the earliest as well. 
But it's a it's a tough time right now, and I can understand why anybody who's texted in, who's been on social media the last couple of days, have been frustrated with this Flames team. I said it yesterday. It wouldn't surprise. It was, I said yesterday going into the game. It wouldn't surprise me if the Flames came out and won in Winnipeg because that's kind of been the storyline for this team. Is it is very rarely is it the the games against top or playoff opponents that this team stumbles in. It's been the games against Chicago that have given them problems, Columbus or or whoever, and whatever that reason is, it doesn't really matter now. The fact is, is you had an opportunity to to go in and be two points up on Winnipeg. You're not there now. But you picked up a win that you absolutely needed to have and how the rest of the season works out, I think, will largely be based on that game against Chicago, one way or the other, for this team. But for now, it's it's a waiting game and a chance for this team to rest and recover uh, from a busy stretch. They have won five of the last six. That's important for this group. They've put themselves uh, in this opportunity. But... Now it's a little bit more in Winnipeg's hands, even though you did pick up that win last night. Uh, let's hear from Frank Saravalli, NHL insider, joins the guys uh, on the big show with Russick and Rose uh, Thursday mornings, chatting all things NHL, but just focusing in on the portion of the guys this morning on uh, the Calgary Flames topics. Caught a lot of people's eyes last night. I know Merrick and Friedman uh, dove into it on their part during the Merrick show earlier today as well. Positives for the Flames, disappointments for the Jets, uh, and what it all means going forward. Here is uh, NHL insider Frank Saravalli with the guys a little bit earlier today, breaking things down from a big Flames win in Winnipeg. Frank, just just when you thought the Calgary Flames were out, they just pull you back in with that enormous 3-1 win last night. Everything was against them. All the excuses were built in. Back end of a back-to-back. They looked tired against the Blackhawks. Worst loss of the season. Winnipeg just waiting days for the Flames to get there. Jacob Marstrom's fantastic. Like, your thoughts on what a complete game that was for Calgary last night. My thought is, if I were a Flames fan, my head would explode watching last night's game. Is there anything more frustrating on the planet than a team that has the goods, has the talent, and for whatever reason, just hasn't strung it together for any consistent period of time. And when you think they're out, when you think they're on the mat, when you think that the Winnipeg Jets have a chance to almost quite literally extinguish the flames, they're alive. They're back in. They're breathing. They've got, you know, the odds still stacked against them. The tiebreaker certainly doesn't help. The game that Winnipeg has in hand doesn't help. But... They have a chance, and that's a lot more than you could have said, you know, 24 hours ago. What was maybe the most impressive part of that third period for you? Because I think that was the one where it was like, all right, hey, we lost yesterday, 40 minutes of this game, all locked up, 20 minutes to go, let's let's show what we can bring. Yeah, I think it was just kind of the stick-to-itiveness, if that makes any sense. Like, sure. they had a real singular focus in that game and despite all the things that went wrong or could have gone wrong especially that went wrong against the Blackhawks <clears throat> um 
you know, just thinking of the shorthanded opportunities against, like any one of those that goes in, different game, different feel. To give up two on the same shift is incredible. Um, there were so many moments and facets of it. They didn't look rattled really at any stretch. And I kind of felt like at, for a team that was waiting for goaltending all year long, it was not only Jacob Markstrom's biggest night, but I liked how comfortable he looked. He, you know, even the exchange with Pierre-Luc Dubois, like he was, he was not rattled. He wasn't Jordan Bennington-ing himself around. Um, and not to say that that's in his nature, but, you know, it was a quick little water bottle squirt and let's move on. We got a game to win here. And that's, he sort of, I think the team took on a lot of the calm that he showed in net. Uh, I know that this has been kind of a narrative around the Calgary Flames is just get into the playoffs because they'll be a tough out just based on their depth. We saw their depth shine through last night, didn't we? We did. And again, another thing that we've kind of been waiting for, right? Like where, what, it's not where or when, it was would this depth show up? Would this team, you know, put it all together? I mean... Walker Dewar, like how, I mean, where'd this guy come from and, and what a critical sort of piece he's been for this team, you know, at the age of 25, an unheralded guy that, you know, really hadn't generated a ton of attention or buzz. I know he's gotten, uh, and grown a, like a legitimate and authentic fan base in Calgary, but it just, a game like last night, eight minutes, 51 seconds, opportunistic, that sometimes those moments like that can be the difference that put you over the hump. Now, one of the guys that we've kind of called one of the backbones of this team is Chris Tanev. And how much of an emotional boost and, and really just a, a boost on the ice do you think it was to get him back? Because he, he didn't look like he had missed a beat. We saw him being physical back on Tuesday, and, and, and he makes some real key plays there yesterday as well. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not even so much emotional, I think, as it actually is the on-ice component. Mm -hmm. Because... Even thinking back to last year's playoffs, like how much did that Battle of Alberta change with Chris Tanev, you know, not being available and, and then just not, you know, someone that didn't look like himself. Um, it's been a struggle. Like he's, I think just staying healthy has been a, a, a tall order for him. And part of that's due to the the nature of the way he plays. He's always in the mix, but he he's, he is a critical piece to this team in terms of their success and, and where they could go if they could be a threat once they get in. Could they be an upset opportunity? My guess is there's not really going to be much of one if, if Chris Tanev isn't healthy. What have you made of Nazem Kadri's week? It's just... It's a difficult question to answer. I think a lot of people have been frustrated. They they think that this is a guy that checked out, um, doesn't look invested. Um, I think when you watch Nazem Kadri, there's I don't even think disconnected or not invested are words that even exist in his vocabulary. Like that guy is a gamer, and I think when it matters. He's a guy that steps up and, and has, it's not championship pedigree because he that's recent, but he's a fighter. Like there's nothing, there's no quit in him. And I get what people, 
may see and the frustration that um, I think that he's worn this season that a lot of people have worn. Um, I go back to, it was such a subtle comment, but I go back to what Nazem Kadri said when I had him on my podcast at the All-Star Weekend in January. And my last question to him was, the Calgary Flames will make the playoffs if... And he thought about it for a while, and he said, if we play as a team. And when you look at Wednesday night in Winnipeg, that it was not just a complete effort, but it was actually one of the few team efforts. And like T-E-A-M, capital letters, team efforts that we've seen all season long. And he's a big part of that. Frank Saravalli, um joining us here on the big show on the um, he's our Sportsnet 960 NHL insider, courtesy of South Trail Chrysler Big Show, Ruskin Row Sportsnet 960, the fan. Um, if you're a Flames fan this morning, obviously you're feeling great. But how do you feel if you're a Jets fan this morning, Frank? Probably pretty satisfied that your team has a game in hand and that you own the tiebreaker. I mean. To equate what happened in Calgary, or sorry, what happened in Winnipeg to Tuesday night against the Blackhawks, like, why can't that be the same moment for them? You know, this is their loss to the Blackhawks, and it's not one of the worst teams. It's just that it's the Flames are proof that a one crushing loss can be overcome. What's really interesting that I hadn't really done the math on, I, I tweeted out last night everyone's remaining schedule, uh, the Flames and Jets. And yeah, there's a couple common threads there. The San Jose Sharks play both teams on the road, and they are one of the worst teams in the league this season. Not that that apparently means much to the Flames. But the common thread is that both teams also play Nashville. And... If Nashville, I know this sounds funny, but if Nashville, we everyone stop thinking about Nashville now. And if Nashville wins out based on the the teams that they're playing, they're also chasing them. If they win out, they're in. So it's not just about the race against, you know, Winnipeg against Calgary now. The game specifically against the Preds really mean something. Frank, who would be a bigger disappointment to miss the playoffs, the Flames or the Jets? The Jets. And I know that sounds funny to say because they're a team that entered without really big expectations this season. The Flames entered with expectations this season with all the pieces that they added. But the difference is the Jets were in first place in their division for a huge chunk of the year. You know, we're talking like mid-January, they were right atop the standings, trading first and second place every day, it seems, with the Dallas Stars. To go from that to having the Flames and Preds nip at your heels in the final week of the season, it's wholly unacceptable for the Jets and what they assembled. And and frankly, they're not a, it's not like they're a young team. They're a team where the wheels have fallen off and they're they're in fits and starts. They're trying to put it all back together again and they can't. And again, just when you think that they're going to pull away over the weekend, 
two wins, including a big one against the New Jersey Devils in which they blow them out. And you're like, okay, this is the moment in time where they're going to, you know, put the flames and preds out of their misery and they haven't done it. Good stuff there from our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff, Frank Saravalli, who joined uh, Rustic and Rose on the big show this morning. You can find that full interview and uh, any of the hours of that show up wherever you get your favorite podcast, uh, Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatchers. I like what Frank said there at the end. Um, and I said this last night. I don't know about you, Taylor, watching the game. I wasn't overly impressed with Winnipeg. And I'm not trying to, to make this a, an anti-Flames thing. Because I did think the Flames played very well. But for all the talk of this is a game seven mentality and we can put Calgary away and, you know, stop having this conversation, I thought Winnipeg was was just okay. I mean, there were I didn't f- watch the game a lot of it. Um but the parts that I did watch the the Jets just didn't seem fully into the game. Like there was a two on one that they didn't, they had like an amazing chance on, but didn't capitalize on it. And then Flames scored on mm-hmm. going a two on one on the other way. Yeah, there's a lot of that back and forth last night. Yeah, it was it was weird. The first period, they had some of that emotion with Pierre Luc Dubois, um, you know, messing around with Jacob Markstrom and all that. I, I get it. I just didn't see. Outside of the hill, I thought Kyle Connor had a pretty good game. But some of the games, uh, Shifley, I wondered where he was. Blake Wheeler, I kind of wondered what impact he had on the game last night. Um, I thought Josh Morrissey was was a bright spot for them. But yeah, it was interesting from a Winnipeg perspective. I kind of understood a bit more of, of their situation and how Calgary and Nashville have climbed into this because I just didn't think Winnipeg was all that great last night. And that's something that was rare because we talked to Ken Weeb from Sportsnet on the show on Wednesday and said, look, this is a team that really has taken advantage of teams coming in on the back half of back-to-backs, really played them hard, and I just didn't see a lot of that from Winnipeg. But Calgary gets full credit because they didn't change anybody up. They didn't bring in any fresh bodies. The lineup was the same one that fell to Chicago, and they found a way to win uh, really in a crucial, all-important game for this group. Uh, Some of your texts at 960-960. This text says, it's so frustrating. They can't seem to get it going against bottom-ranked teams, which means I'm not confident they're going to make it in. The Nashville game is the big one. Yeah, that's... If you feel exactly like that texture feels today, I can't blame you in the least because, yeah, you see that game against Winnipeg last night and you think, why couldn't half of that be brought into the game against Chicago? Winnipeg is a incredibly more talented depth team winning team than anything that the Chicago team brought to the saddle dome on Tuesday. It's let's be honest. It's a majority AHL club that Chicago is, is icing right now with some good NHL veterans in there, but no superstars. The goaltending conversation is not even the, the biggest conversation, you know, it's not even a comparison. Uh, and that's, you know, so you watch that win a big game, and if you're frustrated and say, yeah, just if you had done that one more time against Chicago, we're having a completely different conversation today. Yeah, I, I feel you. I feel how you could be that way. Um, 
This text says, I'm way more confident the Flames will make the playoffs this year after last night's game, and it's nothing the Flames did. It was the lack of effort in the last 10 minutes by the Jets. They showed no fight or pushback. I think they had one shot on goal in the last two minutes. Neither team seems to want to be in the playoffs, which is confusing to me. That one's from Tim. And that Tim goes right back to what we were talking about after we heard from Frank there. And that's just, for, you know, Winnipeg and Calgary to say a lot of the same things going into that game. And it was the game seven mentality. This is a playoff feel to it. That must win sort of atmosphere. I only thought Calgary did a really good job of, of showing some of that. I didn't see nearly enough of that uh, from the Winnipeg side. I think Tim, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, this one at nine six zero nine six zero, where you can throw in uh, your comments at any time here on Sportsnet today. Uh, this one says to me, I'm optimistic the Flames can take care of it on their end. Not sure if the Jets lose, but I feel the Flames have no games to look past anymore. You got beat by the Hawks. Looking forward to the Jets. There's no more of these games to look past, so no reason that they shouldn't show up. 100%. There's no reason to do that anymore. This was the big game remaining on the calendar. Vancouver, a a good opponent, but you beat them on Friday. Had a comeback victory against them. Should be ready to go. Your last two games, Nashville and San Jose. Obviously important from a points perspective, but not nearly the same level of energy, I guess, that you would talk about with um, with this Winnipeg game. Uh, this text says, Logan, did you catch Bonus's post-game interview? He summed up how Calgary's aggressive play destroyed their flow, couldn't get anything going. Uh, yeah, th- look, that was full credit to Calgary last night. And w- again, when I said those things I said about Winnipeg and just not loving their game, I, it certainly wasn't to take anything away from the Flames. That was one of their better 60 minutes in my books. It really, outside of some of the penalties that went back and forth in that game, I thought Calgary controlled the majority of it. And that's exactly what you want to see in a game that was as big as that one. Um, I just thought, based on everything we had heard from Winnipeg, even if Calgary did come out strong, they were going to have a little bit more push, a little bit more fight back. I just didn't see enough of that for a team that, as we've heard many people say and bring up, they were first in the West just a few months ago, um, and now they're teetering on the edge of not making the playoffs at all. At home, great building, great atmosphere. Just a little flat for me from the Winnipeg side of things. Uh, This text says, if they do make it, I hope Murray Edwards enjoys his two playoff games worth of revenue that set this team back five years. I don't know. That's obviously someone who doesn't feel that the playoffs is a a best case scenario for this team. And the only thing I would say, and I'm not going to, if you feel that way, you're more than welcome to feel however you want to about this team. The only thing I would say is at this point, with three games remaining and six points left on the table, the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs doesn't really affect much when it comes to the draft and, and how things go for the future. Their, their draft pick isn't going to be drastically different if they do find a way to get in, unless they go on a very long run, than it would be uh, if they just finish on the outside looking in, right? If they just, as that texture seems to think they get in and have their two home games and that's it. 
yeah, you're not talking about a massive change in draft position anyways. But I'll, I'll say this, and it's something that I know Pat's talked about a lot on Flamestock, and I know has been a, a really constant conversation all year long. I, I don't know anymore, and I was one of the people that thought this team would be a better playoff team if they make the, the playoffs. I don't know if that's the case anymore because there's so much going on with this group right now. Even if they do make the playoffs, I'm not as certain as I was before that they'd be a hard out. Especially if you run into, a say, a Colorado round one. But I'll say this. I've been in Calgary long enough, and I think enough Flames fans have watched this team long enough to know that I, I think there's value in getting to the playoffs in back-to-back years. Even if it is to set a standard and to set a precedent for going into next season, whatever it might look like for the Calgary Flames. I think that's important. There's been too much in and out in this city when it comes to, to postseasons. There's, it feels like forever since this team's, you know, year after year has involved going to the playoffs. And that's incredibly hard to build up to a championship standard if you can't get the, the first piece of the puzzle done every year. And that's the 82 game puzzle of making the playoffs. So whether they would do damage in the playoffs or not this year, I still think that there's some sort of value in this group coming together and making a late season push just to get to the playoffs. I I still, I really think that's, that's the case. Even if it doesn't mean it's a long playoff run and they don't get as far as they did last year. A few weeks ago, we were, and, and rightfully so, there were people talking about draft odds and how many games could they lose to fall out and, and maybe put themselves in a, a better spot for a draft pick. They've You have to give them credit for what they've done here, and I, I have to believe, given the guys that are signed here long-term, that are going to be here next season, that having this sort of, of run together, whether it, you know, again, means a long playoff run or not, can't be the worst thing for this group to have said, hey, look, yeah, we had a, a really up and down season, but at the end we were able to come together, we pushed for the playoffs, and that's going to give us a good base heading into next year. You don't buy that? I, I, I can understand. It's been, it's been that kind of year. Uh, a couple more here. Uh, uh, this one's uh, I'm not going to go to that one. Uh, this one says, who's a bigger disappointment, Calgary disappointing all year or Winnipeg falling off of a cliff? Um, yikes. I'll, I'll say the Flames one to me is still more disappointing being in the market because I know how high the expectations were coming into the season. But it's not. It's a very close conversation. The Jets fall off, especially if they miss the playoffs. Here would be an incredible one, and the the noise and the heat around Rick Bonus in year one of his coaching tenure in Winnipeg has been crazy. To the point where I I'm not even 100 percent sure he comes back next year if this team doesn't make the playoffs, and that's a rock solid organization that does not make 
quick moves like that when it comes to the front office or coaching staff. I, I still probably give it lean towards the Flames being more disappointing, but if the Jets do find a way out of this, it's a pretty big flop on their part too. Uh, this text says, yeah, forever in the mushy middle. Perfect. Yeah, it's not not an ideal place to be. You've got to try to find a way to to get out of that for sure. Uh, this one says, Preds catching the Flames is irrelevant. If the Flames beat the Preds when we play, the Preds won't pass them. To me, the Preds are just another game. I highly doubt the Flames will finish ahead of the Jets, but behind the Preds for sure. Uh, this text says, doesn't matter. They'll get waxed by any of the top three teams in either division. Uh, this one says, as far as the Winnipeg team goes, it's time for t- changes there. As a fan of that club since they came back, it's just not the same. Hasn't been the same since Big Buff left. And uh, we'll end off on this one. Typical flame season. Barely good enough to get in. Not good enough to win. They'll never go anywhere until they get some top draft picks. We'll see. Uh, it's certainly not going to be a conversation we have this offseason unless something changes. Um, they'll be fighting through this pretty much till the end. So, which is, I mean, I'd rather be talking about relevant hockey down the stretch, but if you feel like that texture does, and a lot of people do, that being in the middle and not having a, a good enough draft pick every year to change your fortunes is is the way to go about it, yeah, I can understand why this is a, a tough spot for you to be in as a Flames fan. Uh, they're back in action Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks. We'll have all your coverage right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. They're off today, though, uh, but the rest of the NHL is packed with games. We'll take a look at tonight's schedule uh, what you need to watch for from a Flames perspective, uh, plus take a look in on the Toronto Blue Jays and the Kansas City Royals. Jays looking to close out a victory in KC this afternoon. Uh, the offense uh, showing up big time in this matchup against the, the Royals. We'll talk about that and more next when Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. one Swing a high fly ball, left center field. Get ready in the fountains. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has his second in KC. Homers on consecutive nights against the Royals. And the Blue Jays add their lead. It's now 5-0. Second of the season for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Man, oh man, is the big man locked in. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. getting it done for the Toronto Blue Jays. An afternoon affair with the Kansas City Royals about to come to an end. Adam Simber on the mound. Strike three. The game is over. Six for your Toronto Blue Jays. Three for the Kansas City Royals. Home runs from Vladdy. Kevin Biggio. Matt Chapman kicked off the offense top of one with a double that scored two. How about Dalton Varsho? He continues to be red hot for the Toronto Blue Jays. His RBI single top seven gave the Jays a 6-0 lead. Would get a little interesting. In the bottom of the eighth, KC scores three runs, but the Jays close off the victory. Now four and three on the season after picking up a win 
against the Royals. Next up for the Toronto Blue Jays. They're into L.A. for three games starting tomorrow. Which will be a 7.38 first pitch on the Sportsnet Television Network. Chris Bassett taking on Patrick Sandoval. Taylor, would you like to hear the Kevin Biggio home run? Yes, please. Lyles rocks and deals the 3-2. And a fastball hit high in the air out to deep right field. Prado at the wall. He stops. He looks up. And it's gone! Number one on the season for Kevin Biggio. Little doubt about that one as he trots around the bases with his first WestJet home run. Kevin Bish getting it done for Taylor. I love that man. Uh, Jay's first series win of the season. 3-1. Like I mentioned, now 4-3 and on the season. And next up against the uh, Angels tomorrow night in L.A. Uh, Bassett versus Sandoval. Uh, Jay's early season uh, results mixed so far for the group, but a big win over the lowly uh, Kansas City Royals. And I, I mentioned this with uh, Adnan Verk in our chat back in hour one, you know, some of the storylines going around baseball right now. And Taylor, it was one that I, I, I talked to you about too, was like how bad things are for the Oakland A's right now. Two days ago, they were outdrawn by 11 AAA clubs. 3,407 people went to the Oakland A's matchup two days ago. That is not going to get it done. That is sad. That is worse than the attendance at Mullet Arena. Excellent timing. When you're worse at something than the Arizona Coyotes, that says a lot. Arizona's not even in a major market stadium. They're playing at a college stadium, and they are outdrawing the Oakland A's. Now, admittedly, the Coliseum is a dump that's needed to be torn down for years. They have had absolutely no luck whatsoever. And major because, you know, let's be honest, it's because they have an owner that's not willing to, to shell out the money uh, of getting a new arena built in a costly, you know, California area, but 3,400 people at the game. As Adnan said, Start writing up the Vegas arena right now and and get ready for that because it's not going to last uh, long. No, it's incredible that they got 26,000 out for opening night against the Angels, and that's great. I can't imagine how many of them were just Angels fans who were like, hey, this is actually way, che- <laughs> this to- is way cheaper because no one goes to these games. Yeah. We were looking at it. You go to StubHub. And you can grab tickets to an Oakland A's game against the Reds in two weeks behind center plate, like 22 bucks. No one is going to these games. So uh, who wants to take a road trip down to Oakland and watch a game for $20? Except you're going to get stabbed. You know what? You it's could a get really st- bad area. I'm going to be honest. You could get stabbed outside. Okay, that's fair. It's also a bit of a sketchy. We're right by a C train station. If you haven't heard, those are dangerous right now. Wasn't it like earlier in the week that 
four people got stabbed just yeah, outside. Probably. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> we have security for a reason. We have Cam patrolling outside for a reason. Part of it is because we don't like him in the studio, but part of it is just Cam has become us like safe. It Cam, makes me feel like I have purpose. He yeah. has become like the neighborhood watch. You'll just if you follow him on Twitter, occasionally you'll just see him tweet about things that are happening outside of the studio, and it's so weird. I don't really pay attention. I don't even know if I follow Cam on Twitter, so I don't know if I see. People need to know. Do they? People do not need know. to know that a train has stopped when some <laughs> truck. Just like collided with the C train station, yeah, or the train. I took a picture. That People was a need to know. Weeks ago, I guess. Well, I guess that was outside of our studio. But... He boned the train. That's... How do you do that? Mm. It was icy, and he didn't. I stop. think it was definitely icy that day. It was bad. I was driving a Subaru or something. Not my Subaru. <laughs> no, because yours is in the shop. No, oh, it's good. It's good. Come on. Oh, it's at the gas blow. station more often than it's at the shop. That's a low blow, but not wrong. Um, big night in the NHL tonight, guys. You got any plans? Are you going to watch any of the matchups going on tonight? The any only, of the 22 games? Only one clinching scenario. And this is, I don't know if this is cool or not. This might just be a frustrating topic for Flames fans. The Seattle Kraken will clinch a playoff berth tonight. If they beat the Arizona Coyotes in any fashion, 8.30 puck drop. Or if they get a point against the Coyotes and the Preds lose to the Hurricanes in any fashion. So Seattle making the playoffs, almost a guarantee at this point. And that'll mark two expansion teams that have come in the league in the last five, six years now that are in the playoffs in the Western Conference. And... It wasn't that long ago that being an expansion team meant you suffered for like 10, 15 years in mediocrity. You started off with no good players. You, you didn't have anybody. You got a good draft pick, but it didn't really matter because he was the only good player on your team. Being an expansion team is not the same as it was 10, 15 years ago. Like, I mean, Vegas and Seattle have legitimate cases to be playoff teams. Seattle's going to get better. Like as Matty Beneers gets better, as Shane Wright becomes an NHL, or they're going to get better. Their goaltending is still a little up in the air. Meh. They have Martin Jones. Yeah, former Hitman. They got a poach from Vegas for their goaltending, I think. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a great thing to do. Having their five goaltenders or whatever it is now. But I was, I was just thinking about it the other day, and I'm just thinking of these franchises that just pop in now. Last year wasn't great, but I mean, the the underlying numbers for Seattle last year weren't as bad as they showed. Their goaltending was a disaster show last year. Even averaging out to league average goaltending this year, they were going to take a big step. But here we are heading into this year's edition of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and two of the newest franchises in the league are going to be there. And they went about it in very different ways. You know, Vegas used some of the expansion rules to their advantage, made all of these trades. Some teams, I mean, I still remember, I mean, key members of Vegas right now, they just fleeced from Florida. Marsha Show and Riley Smith were at one time key members of the Florida Panthers. 
teams were just willing to give up good roster players to protect somebody in the expansion draft, and then that didn't happen for the Kraken. They've built up in a different way. They've spent more money free agency-wise, but they've made some of the those picks work. Yanni Gord's been really good. Now all of a sudden, two, uh, two teams out of the Pacific, brand new expansion teams are going to be in the postseason tonight. Uh, not tonight, this year. Uh, other games on the schedule tonight to watch for, you've got the Leafs and the Bruins. Five o'clock puck drop. That should be a good one. Potential playoff preview in uh, a further round down the east because it sure looks as though it's going to be uh, Toronto and Tampa. I believe that's clinched Toronto and Tampa for round one. It is clinched. Lock it in. So we'll see that matchup again. Rangers, after that slugfest against Tampa Bay last night, are in action against St. Louis. Lightning taking on the Islanders. A couple fines coming out of that game last night between Tampa Bay and New York. I believe Flames' favorite, uh, Adam Fox, took a $5,000 fine, the maximum, maximum allowable under the CBA for slashing Corey Perry. If I had $5,000, I would send that to Adam. Uh, Alex Kalor, yeah, yeah, I get it. I, you Listen to the show. I'm not a fan of Corey Perry. Are you promoting nope. violence, I didn't say Logan? anything. I just said if I had $5,000, which I don't, I would probably send it to Adam Fox. Adam Fox is a Harvard graduate. I don't think he needs your $5,000. It would have nothing to do with the fact that he needs the money. I know he doesn't need the money. It would wanna... simply be a gesture on my point from a, a job well done. Are you going to start a GoFundMe? I might. Although I don't think it would do well. I don't know. Corey's got some enemies. Not to the level of me that would actually give money to a millionaire to pay off a fine. But I mean, I don't think it would do well in Calgary. No, probably not. They're both really non... (laughs) Not really popular with either one. Uh, And then Alex Kalorn got $5,000... Uh, find himself uh, for slashing Igor Shesterkin. Now, uh, you don't do that. You've noticed touching the goaltender. It's a big no no. It's, it's not exactly a promising move. And then we had a big scrum, and everybody goes punching each other and get into it. Yeah, so don't, uh, Alex Kalorn, don't do that. Uh, what else was I going to uh, talk about for these games tonight? Senators, Panthers, massive game. If the Sens want to keep their playoff hopes alive, they are dwindling because the Panthers have rolled off four straight victories after Papa Bear Keith Kachuk publicly embarrassed his son's team. Who needs Paul Maurice when Keith Kachuk can just come by and chastise your team for playing. I said that soft and move on with this day. He never did that in Calgary. All of a sudden (laughs) he goes to Florida and Keith decides to start. These guys are pathetic. They're soft. They just want autographs from Matthews and Marner. They don't want to play hard. Matthews sitting there like, I got another 100-point season. Thanks, Dad. Why don't you go pick on Brady for 30 minutes? They suck. Nope. It's worked. Given that, it's worked. 
Panthers have won four in a row and have um, made life a lot more interesting in the Eastern playoff uh, wildcard spot. Pittsburgh, New York Islanders, and the Panthers all have 78 games played. Islanders and Panthers have 87 points. Penguins have 86. So that one's still to be determined. Penguins in action. They're taking on the Minnesota Wild. It's a massive game for Pittsburgh. They re-upped on everybody this offseason. They brought back the big three, Latang and Malkin, to come back with Crosby. You know they don't want to waste a year with them outside of the playoffs at this point in their careers. So that'll be a big game to watch. And uh, some bad news for the Colorado Avalanche and uh, Calgary native Kale McCarr. McCarr going to be out indefinitely with lower body injury. Uh, it is a new injury, according to head coach Jared Bednar. Uh, nothing to do with previous ailments, as McCarr has been out um, a couple of times this season. He's dealt with an upper body ailment, a head injury, and a previous lower body injury. He's, of course, the reigning Conn Smythe and Norris Trophy winner. Still has 66 points in 60 games, averaging a league-high 26-23 per contest. Um, unknown now if he will be available for the Colorado Avalanche uh, when they kick off their playoffs in a couple of weeks' time. So have a great weekend. We'll chat with you on a Monday. This is Sportsnet 960, The Fan.